Hello, and welcome to That Science, the podcast exploring the meaning of science today. I am your host, Susan O'Flynn, and this is Is That Science? In today's episode, I'll be talking with Phoebe, the mastermind behind the Everybody's Invited Instagram account. Phoebe gave this brilliant talk a couple weeks ago at Amelia's Pint of Science event about their illustration work, and they very kindly agreed to come on the podcast to talk to me today, and so did the other half of your favourite podcasting duo, Amelia. As the title suggests, we'll be talking about all things sex and sexuality and how illustration is a brilliant medium for education. But we'll also be referring to consent and some of its greyer areas. So keep that in mind if you find those topics a bit tricky. Also, make sure to go follow Phoebe on their Instagram account at everybody's underscore invited to look at all of their amazing work. And without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, hello, Amelia and Phoebe, and welcome to Is That Science? Phoebe, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm Phoebe. I use she, they pronouns, and I'm an illustrator. And if you don't know me this far, hi, I'm Amelia. I use she, her pronouns, and I host the other half of this podcast. So if you don't know me by now, I'm a bit offended that you only listen to half the podcast, to be honest. (laughs) It's a bit (laughs) Selective listening. (laughs) Yeah. So... I've already seen your talk, Phoebe. I absolutely loved it. The talk and the questions afterwards. I came back knowing like it was such an exciting talk to listen to. And two of you were so brilliant. I absolutely loved it. But um, in your conversation, you talked a bit about illustration being a more accessible form of education and especially helpful for sexual health education. Do you want to elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm an illustrator. I studied illustration at Leeds Arts Uni. And then as part of my final project at uni... I started making a bunch of resources aimed at teens and young adults discussing sex and trying to focus on topics that weren't really covered in school. And yeah, illustration. I think when I say that to people, most of the time they think children's books, which is right, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Illustration at its core is conveying a narrative in a visual way. So it's campaign t-shirts, it's packaging and branding and advertising. It can just be pieces inspired by a poem. It can be children's books. Basically, as long as you're conveying some kind of information in a visual way that's illustration and so yeah for my work particularly in sex ed I think illustration is essential because you're often especially when it's aimed at teens and younger children often it's concepts and topics they're really not familiar with and so having visual cues is like essential for their learning because the images are probably going to be more familiar to them the stuff you're talking about and yeah I think as well there's so much that needs to be illustrated in terms of demonstrating yeah whether you're talking about anatomy and body parts whether you're talking about contraception whether you're discussing relationships and sexuality I think in all of those topics illustration can play some part in helping break down really complex or obscure and tricky topics but also just make it a bit more engaging and fun again like it's quite a intense topic to learn especially when you're at a teenage age and it can be quite awkward and so having illustrations and images that are more appealing and fun or feel like they're more aimed towards you I think can help make the subject more appealing and easier to digest and seem more approachable as well. And then so when you went into illustration were you compelled to do it for an education reason or was it creative one like did you have a background in education? 
education of children or background in educating or were you coming um, at it from a purely creative perspective? I think it was from a purely creative perspective. Throughout uni, I'd always gravitated or really enjoyed the projects that were aimed around health and education. I'd done a couple of brief, like we did one where we designed a children's hospital mural. And then I did a project aimed on like young children with cancer and resources for them and what their experience was going to be like. And that was really personal to me and grounded me in that this is the part of illustration that I really love education and art. I think because I'm using my art for quote unquote a useful purpose <laughs> makes me feel good about my work that way and then I think just went into sex ed because it's just a topic that I find really interesting and yeah I think like most people didn't have the best experience at school and so I saw it as an opportunity to both educate myself a bit more as well as other people. Yeah and I think that was one thing that really came across in your talk was real passion for what you do and it's really amazing. Amelia did you have any other thoughts? I don't know how much you want. Obviously, we can cut this out if you don't want Phoebe. But I always thought the fact that you lent more towards like the health side. And as you said, the children's side was to do with your... So Phoebe had cancer when she was younger. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I I feel like that personal element to it in the fact that you either would have used resources like that one that you made thing or would have really benefited from that, I think... Yeah. That was the interesting part for me when we were talking about what you were doing and why. Yeah, I think that is definitely part of it in that when I was very little, I, I had leukemia. I'm totally fine now. I'm fully recovered. But definitely spending a lot of time in the hospital as a young child. And there was some material, like there was some posters on the wall and like some things you would get. But at least from my experience, it was trying to create sort of like a friendly environment and trying to be informative and calming. But it sometimes came across as still a scary place to be. And still, I don't really know what's going on. I don't really understand why I'm here. And so I think it was partly yeah, a personal goal to try and make other people going through similar things that I did feel more comfortable and feel more at ease and as well yeah like there was a lot of illustration in the hospital especially in the children's ward because there's always pictures and paintings on the wall or murals or like coloring activities for us to do or little posters and infographics and charts on the wall or like lots of decorations to distract you and take your mind off what you're actually experiencing in the moment and so yeah wanting to contribute to making those spaces more calming or enjoyable and more entertaining and informative and less scary is definitely why I do the work I do. But I also think, I mean, we talked about it quite a lot when we had our event last week, but I think you're absolutely right in the illustration in those hospital environments, but also when we're talking about sex ed, you know, so much of what Sophie, our other speaker, was talking about was how it's inherently a really awfully awkward thing being in a classroom full of people that you know or you don't know and you have to talk about sex. It's so awkward, but also there are some really difficult topics in it, whether it's like talking about consent and sexual assault or, or whatever it is. And I liked what you were saying about how illustration is really useful in those parts because it just 
becomes a little bit less overwhelming and a little bit less clinical. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think I, when I myself was looking for those resources, trying to learn more about my own sexual health, I found, I don't even know, I don't know what they're, other word for it they're is. They're more sort intense, of cold. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they like, are. Whereas not yeah. very personable because they're, they're always really, really tangentially related to the subject. So if it's like a talk about, say, if it's a leaflet about consent and it's always just sort of people laughing and chatting, maybe they're hugging and it's like, it, it's very tangential and very like separated from the actual topic. And so I think, yeah, with illustration, you can get more specific, make them more personal because yeah, as well with stock images, they're not created for the specifically for the resource a lot of the time, the generic photos meant to be used in multiple applications. And that's why they're so bland and generic sometimes. No offense to mm, stock no, I photo take photographers. No. Like it's no, still I, I, important yeah. work. Can I, well, I guess that kind of, leads me on to another question of how do you deal with the more trickier aspects of sexual health and relationships I mean how do you deal with the gray areas around consent and those kind of things how how would you say you deal with that in your illustration I think the illustration can help get the ball rolling on those subjects I think what Sophie said in the talk is really good about how it's important to generate conversation around those subjects and make sure that you're getting multiple viewpoints intersectional views and conversations around the more difficult subjects because there's so much nuance to them that you can't really discuss and explain everything thoroughly and properly on paper or in illustration but I think illustration can help get the ball rolling particularly yeah with subjects like consent you can begin to get the main ideas across to people it's it's such a such a nuanced thing because it's very much depends on the person and the situation and the atmosphere and the relationship you already have and what you know about each other or what you don't know about each other that yeah it's sort of hard to explain everything on paper or in illustration but I think it can definitely help at least get the ball rolling and give a sort of general idea to someone who maybe doesn't have any idea about a topic. Yeah I think I also think a lot of what you do and I look at this from a very heavily science communication background, which I know, you know, we studied this, I've been studying this for a year now. But I think a lot of the ways that I really like what you make is that it's all a very positive framing, like a gain framing as opposed to a loss framing. So you're never like, if you do this, it's bad. Or, yeah. you know, that's never yeah. the vibe. I don't know I how think, better to describe it. Yeah, I think it's from personal reflection on I always felt sex ed at school was taught very much from a place of fear of if you say like you're talking about STIs it's always very much uh, this is going to happen to you this is how awful it's going to be this is what will happen if you have sex unprotected it was very much focusing on the negatives and not as much focusing on the positives or helpful insight or positive insight of yes these are dangerous things that can happen but here's all the ways you can protect yourself and here's how to discuss that with a partner and here's how to go to people or here's how to find the right people when you do find yourself in an unfortunate situation and how to get help. It was, yes, very much from a place of fear and blaming and guilting you into how you felt about these topics. And so I think, yeah, I want it to be a more positive learning experience because a lot of the time it's through fear and I don't think that's the best way to teach these subjects. You also get such a benefit between having that positive framing and then the illustration, which is obviously, I think, the the good sex ed just kind of works so well with the illustration because I think, you know, I'm even thinking of one specific illustration that you did about, like, discharge and it's such an 
awkward thing to talk about. So all of your illustrations were like underwear that kind of mimic yeah. whatever that appearance was supposed to be. And I think the illustration really brings that like lightness and easiness to it rather than being like, you, here's the medical information that you need and here's all the graphic depictions of it. It's like, yeah. if you can get that education in a better way, in a more engageable way, like that's going to be so much better. Yeah, I think that sort of links back to Susan's question of how do you handle sensitive topics? And yeah, it goes the same way for, yeah, when you're handling topics that are maybe quite graphic visually. Yeah, sort of when you're talking about bodily functions and for like discharge or STIs or periods, like there, there can be quite a lot of graphic material visually with those topics, which can gross students out and make them feel uncomfortable and make them want to back away and not engage with the content. And so... If you can find a way to give that information or still get that information across in a less aggressive way or less polarizing way, such as with illustration and yeah, using metaphors and allegories, I think that can be really, really helpful to sort of make the topics more approachable. Like with the the discharge post you're talking about, I used to explain to people who are just listening, I drew pants that reflected the different kinds of discharge you can experience and what normal ones are and what abnormal ones are. Having that visual in your brain is potentially sometimes helpful to remember as well. One thing that I really loved, I mean, after the talk I gave on Instagram, a very long stalk, I absolutely, your work is so incredibly creative. I absolutely love it. But I mean, it just got me thinking, How? what is your kind of process to approaching those kind of topics? I mean, what is your process to how you go about it? Do you think, what? where would I find the most approachable? How do you go about creating those images? Yeah, I start by researching the topic and then seeing what potential related topics or semantics and visuals come up that are sort of surrounding that topic, such as discharge. You find that in your pants. And so having pants as substitute for that, I thought was good. I did a second piece on like the hymen and sort of myths versus facts. And often there's that metaphor of popping the cherry. And so for the myths page I had a bunch of cherries all over the page and then for the facts page I had a bunch of other different fruits because often in advertising and stuff you can't show genitals obviously and so often fruit is often quite used as like a visual substitute and so I thought about using that again demonstrate that there's a bunch of different shapes of hymen and different shapes of vulvas and vaginas and we need to remember that there's not one normal there's lots of different ways that it can look and that's normal and that's okay. And so, yeah, looking around a topic, are there other visuals that I can pick from and translate into the difficult topic that I can then harness and use without showing the actual more graphic stuff? Is there something else within that information that can be used? I think it's a different way of shifting a kind of narrative because you talk about the hymen and you know, when I was growing up, the idea of like someone breaking your hymen was like, it, I mean, it's so bound up with, yeah, this, you think with this whole disgusting normal. idea. Of, yeah. yeah. And you think, oh my gosh, like if you didn't bleed or if you do bleed, you're somehow like, you know, it's it's all these strange narratives that are entirely yeah. perpetuated by patriarchy. But I think also if you start educating people at an early age, shifting the narrative, it's not this like piece of tissue that breaks and you're no longer like a good person anymore. And it's really helpful to, uh, that's entirely not the case. That is entirely not the case, but like just as an example, that was the kind of narrative that it's, yeah, pushed into you and you're really helping to shift that narrative, I think, with portraying it differently to how it's usually spelled out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
and and side note if it does if you do bleed during sex that can actually be a very serious underlying health condition you might have a sort of abnormal hymen or something else that is going on and so it's actually a sign to maybe go see a gynecologist or see a doctor and yet we yeah have this narrative of that oh it's normal it's fine it's fine that if you it's fine if you bleed during sex or your first time during sex and actually that is really not the case it can be something quite serious and you're putting people in danger by perpetuating this that thing that it's normal and it's okay and it's to be expected I mean, a lot of your images and illustrations also have a lot of like a really diverse array of bodies. Like I really appreciate seeing that. And one thing that like in Sex Edge, you're kind of showing this one kind of image of how sex and sexuality should be. This is probably a pretty obvious question, but I guess it's something to think about. Why do you think it's important to represent all those kind of bodies in your illustrations? I think it's important because quite often you engage with stuff where you feel like it's targeted at you it's it's for you and so because I want my resources to be everyone or to be for everyone to cater to everyone and to be approachable for everyone that means I need to draw everyone and so yeah it's just uh, from that I want people to engage with the subject matter and so I want it to encompass as many people as possible in the diagrams yeah quite often the images used in sex ed, whilst are like anatomically correct or they're perfectly well done illustrations a lot of the time and they're labelled correctly or whatever, they're very clinical and quite often the subject in them is white and are quite often, particularly if it's like anatomy, there's no pubes or anything. And so you just you start to spin this thought that that is the right way to look. That is the only way to look. And if I don't look like that, then I'm not normal. I'm weird. And so I think, yeah, including not just an array of people and body types in my images, but also making sure that if I'm discussing one topic, that there's variety within that topic. Say like if I'm talking about, I did a piece on testicular cancer and like how to check or what signs to look for. And so within that, I wanted to make sure that I was showing a bunch of different body types, but also different penis types as well, to make sure that people are feeling seen and feeling included and realizing that it's okay to have different size penises. But if your balls are a different shape to what they normally are, that's that's something to... <laughs> that could be a potential health risk and something to check out. And so, yeah, making sure that everyone feels included and people are feeling seen in my illustrations so that they will hopefully engage with them more and take them in more. Yeah, and it's because, you know, no one has the cookie cutter body of any any sort. No No one has. yeah. Yeah, no one looks like those diagrams that they show that are trying to be like a very sanitized version of the human body but no one has bodies like that. So it's really accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. But I also just think it's really interesting that there's so many different places where people have gone, oh, it's way too difficult to show every kind of body. So we're just going to show one and we're just going to go for this one that's quote unquote the norm. When actually, yeah, okay, maybe the majority of your country is white or whatever. And like majority probably have like a slim body type whatever it is like why would you not just go we'll just put a bunch of people in there and then at least one of them you'll feel like relates to you like I mean 
quite a systemic problem that I don't think is just relevant to education but like I think I was inspired as well by Ruby Rare they're another sex educator activist they do a lot they're very like a more sort of like a public figure they have a book called An Adult's Guide to Sex Ed I believe in that there was like a double page spread of just a bunch of different vulvas and they all look different but they're all just there even though it was only four or five different illustrations I just found that really fascinating because it doesn't take a lot of effort to make a resource more inclusive and look a bit nicer or have yeah it doesn't take a lot to make the resource more accessible and and more inclusive and when it does when a resource is more inclusive and is more accessible i think it has way greater success rate and engagement rate as well no i completely agree and also it's helping to shatter a lot of the stigma around definitely certain types of bodies that may not as i say fall into this very non-existent cookie cutter type of body and it's your own preconceptions about definitely certain bodies which i think is always going to be really helpful i don't know if this is relevant so please help me shut up if it's not i was reading something that someone wrote the other day on twitter about how so often in medicine findings around like oh you know black patients are more likely to die someone turns it around and says to a black patient, well, you're you're at higher risk, rather than all of those factors come from the fact that doctors have been found to, you know, it's a systemic racism problem that causes yeah, that. Like- and I think, like, the same way, you know, as you were saying with, like, your penis diagrams, whenever you have something where we've all just accepted that this is the way that something is, you know, we've all seen the same image of like a vulva over and over again and we're like that's what it looks like you have majority of people that vulvas don't look like that so half of people would then go oh well something is therefore wrong with my vulva like Mm. and panic on that half and then you'd have the other half that were like well mine doesn't look like anything like that so then if there is some sort of abnormality that they should be recognizing they don't have the ability to recognize it because yeah you know their origin looks so different from what they were taught that like if something is wrong you don't know how to have a look at that so I think it's just it's, one of those things that infuriates me because it's it's a lose-lose situation like there's no benefit to it it's like in pop culture you know people a lot of people are saying we want to see more queer relationships we want to see more happy queer relationships because we know that they exist but quite often in pop culture they are reduced and they're they're not shown or they're not shown in a very positive light and that doesn't give a lot of hope to people watching them or younger generations watching them because they think it's something that's not possible or something that doesn't exist and so you need to show the variety and show all of these things are normal and that normal is a really really vast space. It's a really good point though and I think you know, that's, I, we keep going, I keep going back to it. You know, I think that's what's so creative about your messaging is that it, it's so much easier to represent a wider range of bodies than a singular body, I think. I think now, especially, it's so much easier. So why you wouldn't do it is beyond me. Yeah. Plus, I mean, even from just a art perspective, I think it's good practice. Like, it definitely made me reflect on my own work and realise that I was drawing one body type and one look of the people in my work and that that wasn't accurate or a true representation of the rest of the world. And so for this project has made me reflect on that and push myself and start drawing normal people or drawing a wider variety of people. So this is probably also a bit of an obvious question, but where do you think your the illustrations are most effectively utilised? Do you think it's more 
in public health messaging and posters or do you think it's social media? What do you think is the best platform for your own form of illustration? I think right now, I think definitely social media is a good space, just online in general. I think, again, going back to the Pint of Science talk, we were discussing this idea that it's okay for sex ed to happen outside of school. It doesn't all need to happen in school. We can't cover everything in school and we shouldn't be trying to limit it to only being in school. And it's okay for people to learn outside of school. And the internet is a great place for people to learn. And obviously there are places that are giving out misinformation and there's a lot of bad places to learn online, such as porn, but cultivating better resources online and encouraging students to look up these good resources and signpost them to good resources online or in books or in film and TV or YouTube videos and wherever, I think is a really great thing to do. And so, yeah, I like doing it on social media. It's easy for me to post and as well as online, having resources in school is also a really good place for them to be, but it's a bit harder to get resources into schools because schools have to approve them or there are PTA boards and higher ups that have to approve what is being shown in schools and shown to students. Whereas online, I can just post whatever I like, which is, you know, has its ups and downs, but it means at least that I can post it and hopefully anyone can find it and anyone can learn. I would like my resources to be in schools. I think that's something I want to look at in the future is making resources that teachers can purchase and use and put up in school or print off and give to students. But yeah, I think online spaces are great. Yeah, and that was what, yeah, it was something that in conversations with Sophie, that was the thing that I really took away and the thing that I related to the most was they were saying that essentially their view of school-based sex education relationships and sex education was that it should be teaching you how to get the information that you need when you need the information so it's not like the be all and end all you start the class by the end of the class you know everything you need to know it's okay how do you go and find the right information at the right time for you and it's something that that like a holistic approach rather than being like we just need to get this these specific learning points into the curriculum that's something that I think a lot about in terms of science education and and how to make people feel just generally comfortable with science but I think it's so true of sex education and being able to say okay well do you have the right ways to discuss things and find information and find Phoebe's Instagram account when you need it rather than just here's your tick list of your mandatory learning points that's it that's the end of the thing. And yeah, sort of making it okay. You know, teachers are the ones teaching these subjects to schools quite often. There are organisations that go into schools, but if you're leaving all the teaching of sex ed to regular teachers, they themselves aren't going to know everything. And so making it easier for them to not necessarily have all the information, but have all the signposts to the correct information. So when students say, I'm not sure about this, or how do I find out about this? It's okay for the teacher not necessarily to know everything about that subject, but to know what to say to them next and to where to signpost them to. Yeah, I definitely thought, I mean, yours and Sophie's talk, like they were, I think that's the best way to kind of teach because having such a curriculum based program around sex ed you're never going to cover everyone's individual experiences. Exactly. But if you're encouraging them down separate routes and you're empowering people to do their own research, they'll exactly, feel more and yeah. more engaged with their own with their own bodies. Yeah. Yeah. When you were learning about all that stuff, where did you kind of find inspiration? Yeah. Did you have any illustrations um, who inspired you? The Ruby Rare book is really good it's yeah i believe it's called an adult's guide to sex ed and it's all illustrated i can't remember the illustrator's name off the top of my head 
also Hannah Witten on YouTube. They, they're a YouTuber slash teacher, RSC teacher, and they do a bunch of great videos. They're really good for the relationships and your relationship with your body, but also discussing pleasure and stuff like that. They're a really great resource for that. And then illustrator-wise, there's the Vulva Gallery on Instagram. They take people's submissions of photos of their vulvas and then they paint them and then and again it's a good resource for just inclusivity and seeing like the variety there's um, an account i follow on twitter which i really love it's called the vagina museum obviously the twitter account of a museum but it's really interesting they were recently doing like a massive fundraising campaign to get a permanent place to have their museum and so many tweets of people trying to spread the like fundraising link got censored by twitter because they had the word vagina in it. Yeah, Instagram um, is really hard. I've seen a lot of people, instead of writing the word sex in the captions, we're having to start to put like characters or S-E-G-G, seg, mm. <laughs> just mm. to get around the senses of Instagram and stuff. Yeah, like I guess that then, I mean, you can see that raising big political issues, but like, you know, the whole like politicization of a woman's body is insane. And when you want to use social media and like, think it's an incredible way to use social media to provide educational resources to then like have the potential of them being censored just feels icky. Phoebe was saying that they've done some research about science and illustration as a thing and so we have a whole lecture on our course run by the wonderful Harriet who runs a whole lecture on science and art and one of the major points that she was making was that a lot of scientists and communication specialists see art as a vehicle for communication and education. And I think so much of the discussion that we've had today has been wonderful. But I also am very conscious and like, I think that was the way I framed your talk, Phoebe, within Pint of Science mm. was look at this tool that we have to communicate rather than art being a thing in itself, which it is obviously, but it's also wonderful for communicating. And I don't know how to walk that boundary, but I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, I think, yes, my work is educational and like science communication or sex ed communication, but you could also just look at it as a piece of art. I think it's maybe a bit more or less fine art or contemporary art leaning. It's more rooted in education and illustration as being both like it's not just science communication it can also just be a piece of art as well. A good example, Francis Glessner Lee's work is very much a combination of pure craft and art, but also education tool. She's great. She's basically the mother of modern forensic science teaching. And she made these dioramas. They're called nutshell cases. And they're all dollhouse 3D structures of murder scenes and crime scenes and she made them as an educational tool for people in the FBI and in the police department to learn about how to do forensic science how to go to a crime scene and start figuring out what happened and the rules on how to do that she made them all herself over years and they're all incredibly detailed she did everything in them she sewed all the little quilts on all the beds and she painted all the blood spatters individually she made all the furniture they're so incredibly detailed that it has to be seen as both a piece of art but also it was created purely as an educational thing the amount of detail and craftsmanship that she's put into them I think yeah it's this perfect piece of art and science no I really love that point about there seems to be a quite a disconnect between like art and science sometimes and science can sometimes seem like everything's a vehicle for also appreciating the artwork they both 
both inform one another. Science can inform art and art can inform science. And it's okay for them to mesh the two together, but also still be standalone pieces. Like medical illustration, it started off because it was purely to educate people about what the human body looks like. But also there's so much skill and technical skill and art skills that go into making those pieces of work that you have to appreciate them from an artist's perspective of, well, they're really good at painting or they're really good at observational work I think yeah I think that's right um, yeah they can be I mean I was just thinking as much as I am a scientist I definitely couldn't draw leaves in any sort of realistic like I definitely don't have that skill so there is you have to 100% believe that there is art and artistry within scientific diagrams and anything like that so yeah yeah like Beatrix Potter, like where she grew up very much in the science world and learning about biology and botanics and things. And so that reflects in her artwork. Her rabbits and her mice look so realistic because she would study rabbit bones. And so she knows the anatomy. And so then that informed her artwork. I guess that kind of brings us on to our final closing few notes. But do you have any projects that you coming up that you're particularly excited for? Any you can talk about? learning about at the moment that you're really excited to incorporate into your work I think I'm wanting to discuss more topics that are trickier to handle like I'm wanting I want to do piece or a couple of pieces maybe about healthy and unhealthy relationship thing that I've been seeing that sort of pop up in a lot of conversations online and, and so I think that would be a good thing to dive into um and yeah just keeping doing my work if anyone wants to (laughs) if anyone wants to follow my instagram they can do it's at everybody's underscore invited yeah you can find my work there or you can follow my regular instagram which is at phoebebees that's just where i post my personal work and i have some pride t-shirts for sale on everpress (laughs) if people are interested yes all the plug i would say yeah i'm so pleased that all I've learned in the last week since our pint of science talk is that I've slowly indoctrinated all of my friends to now love your Instagram account and you know that's all I wanted in life was just to be like Phoebe's wonderful everyone should know that Phoebe's wonderful so I'm glad that's finally being recognized yeah I mean you're I mean I absolutely loved you and your talk was so brilliant as well I absolutely loved it thank you with the slides were absolutely gorgeous and the tote bag we all got tote bags at the end of your talk and they are absolutely sensational and I rock mine about town all the time so I absolutely love it so yeah thank you so much really loved our conversation thank you for having me on and inviting me and having me at pint of science Amelia as well it was very good fun I was chuffed to have you then and I was chuffed that Susan was like do you want to come talk to her with me I was like yeah of course yes absolutely it's it's so much fun and I think this is like a that science first where we've mentioned penis vulva vagina and like I think those that's the most make a little, little bingo that. sheet yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah one of the things I'm proudest of from the pint of science event is I only said slay like twice the whole time <laughs> genuinely impressed so that's really impressive but thank you so yeah, much for I think on. yeah thank you for having me and thank you Amelia it's been, it's for fun it's been, yeah. for taking time out thank you so much again to Phoebe and of course Amelia for taking time to chat to me today 
I had such a great conversation and I'm very grateful that they both spoke so openly about their experiences and their knowledge. As always, anything that we talked about today will be in the description and make sure to tune in next week for Amelia's episode of What Science. Until next time.